Hi, and welcome to Make Space for Nature from Nature Scott, the podcast that celebrates Scotland's nature, landscapes, and species. I'm Kirsten Guthrie, and in this episode, Katrina Webster and I head to the Perthshire countryside to meet with Nature Scott's beaver team. We hear about the work they're doing to help everyone live alongside beavers in Scotland again. First off, Katrina describes the riverside setting. Hello everyone and welcome to the banks of the River Tay, which you can probably hear rushing away behind me. We're in an absolutely beautiful spot this morning, just next to the river in Perthshire. It's lovely and green and we're surrounded by lots of uh, old trees along the river banks. And we're joined today by Jenny Bryce, who's a Nature Scots Beaver Project Manager. Hi Jenny, welcome to the Make Space for Nature podcast. Can you set the scene for us, first of all, just by telling us a bit about the history of beavers in Scotland? How did they come to be here again after such a long absence? Well, just on that, I guess um, we last had beavers here way back in around the the 16th century, so we haven't had beavers here for about 400 years now. Um, And we think the first reports of, uh, the confirmed reports of having beavers back was around 2006 when there were reports from Bridgeburn area. And we think that the beavers were either escapees or from an unauthorised release at the time. And since then... um, in uh, 2012, the Scottish ministers decided that the beavers on Tayside um, could remain while their, their impacts were studied, and that led on to the, the Tayside Beaver Study Group. And in 2015, uh, SNH, as it was then, produced a Beavers in Scotland report for Scottish Government, which was a comprehensive review of all the, of all the scientific studies at the time, um, drawing together the evidence to look at what the, the impacts of beavers were and also the benefits. And I think broadly the conclusions were that that beavers could bring a lot of benefits, particularly for, for biodiversity. Um, so leading on from that, in 2016, the ministers decided that the beavers could remain in Tayside and in Knapdale um, and that the populations could then expand naturally from, from these areas. The next key date was probably 2019, when beavers became a European protected species. And then just last year, many of the organisations that are involved in beavers got together to produce Scotland's beaver strategy, which sets the course for the beaver restoration going forward. So it sets out, I guess, the desire to see beavers expanded into other parts of Scotland and the benefits that they bring being delivered more widely, but at the same time for management and mitigation um, to be in place. So I guess arising from the strategy, um, you know, we can expect to have more beavers in, in more parts of Scotland going forward. Uh, the population in Tayside is in a rapid phase of expansion and we can ex- expect to see population growing into to new areas as well. Uh, so earlier this year we saw the release of some beavers in Loch Lomond and there's also some consultations ongoing at the moment around proposals in Speyside and also in, in Glen Affric areas. So I, th- I think we can expect to see more of that in the future. And that's going to be really good news for nature broadly, isn't it? Because they can bring lots of benefits for nature and also to help us tackle climate change. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think beavers are seen as these ecosystem engineers because of all you know the range of effects that they have on, on the environment. That you know, they actually will modify areas, particularly wetlands, creating more wetlands. They will diversify our riparian woodlands in terms of the structure they will create more dead wood and hence they really are seen as having a range of benefits for other species and also for as you say for climate change they've been shown to have benefits in terms of reducing downstream 
flooding through their effects of damming and also um, improving water quality and that, that sort of thing as well. We're, I mean, we're here in a, as I say, a really nice spot on the banks of the River Tate. There's lots of trees around us. Um, what will it actually mean to have beavers back for areas like this, for our kind of rivers and, and loch shores? Yeah, well, I guess partly what we see is a result of not having had beavers here for the last 400 years. So, yes, we could think about what, what they would have looked like, you know, had we also always had beavers or back in the 16th century. And I think we would have maybe had some less prominent uh, riverside trees. We would have had more diverse um, woodland structures. We'd have a more complex you know, edge to the environment as well and, and more dead wood. Um, so, yeah, there would have been subtle differences and we can expect to see some of these things coming back in as we, as we see beavers returning to these areas. Um, so, we, you know, we can expect to see some, some changes and that's quite a challenge, I think, for, for some people, yeah. Tree felling can be one of the more noticeable impacts of beavers moving into an area. So we, we recognise you know, it can be upsetting when people see that for the first time, and particularly if they're, uh, trees are, that are affected are ones that have a particular value or attachment to them. But beavers are territorial, so they will use a certain stretch of the river and they will focus their foraging more around the centre of that territory. So the impacts along the watercourse will be patchy, so you would expect that and that they will move over time as well. So you wouldn't expect, you know, while there might be focus areas for their impacts, you wouldn't expect that throughout the length of the water course. And most broadleaf species that we have are actually, you know, they've evolved with beavers that are adapted to it and they will coppice and grow again. And through doing that, then there can be positive benefits in terms of letting more light into the woodland. It can diversify the structure um, and through damming activities as well. It can create wet areas that will lead to both um, standing and also obviously the fall in deadwood as well. So I think if we see most of the impacts that beavers will have in this context as the, sort of the natural behaviour and a natural part of that woodland ecology. But however, you know, there are some trees that will be highly, highly valued and whether these are ancient trees, trees of a particular landscape or cultural value or conservation value if they're important for other species, whether that's lichens or uh, bryophytes or um, rare invertebrates, then you know th- that might be another reason why you want to protect particular trees. And that's what we're going to hear more about today, how to do that. That's great. Thanks very much, Jenny. That's all really interesting. And as you say, sets the scene perfectly for what we're going to see in action today. So over to you, Kirsten. Thanks, Katrina. So today we're going to see a demonstration of how to protect trees from beavers. Um, And we'll be joined by a group of volunteers as well, who are also going to learn how to do this. And just now, I've just been joined by Roisin. Um, Can you introduce yourself, Roisin? Who are you and who do you work for, please? Yeah, I'm Roisin Campbell-Palmer. I'm Head of Restoration for the Beaver Trust. Excellent, thank you. And can you just talk us through what you're doing today? There's obviously fencing here. Um, You know, we're kind of cutting uh, parts and and wrapping that... um, not so much round the tree, but do you want to just explain how that how that works? Yeah, so today we're installing some tree guards uh, along the river bank here, and we're mainly focusing on the more mature trees and and those that the estate and landowners uh, don't want to lose. So we are cutting a roll of weld mesh, so it's like gauge weld mesh. You can see it's freestanding. We're cutting it roughly to the size of the tree, but we're leaving a gap of about 15 centimetres all the way around, uh, just so that the beavers don't push on the wire or you know they can't reach the tree. Also, we want to make sure this tree is in good health. 
So it gives it lots of space to grow so that we don't have to come back and do this every other year. This should last years and years. Okay, and how does that stop the, the beavers actually getting into the trees? Is, mm. it, is it kind of you know, secured to the ground um, and, and how high does it need to be? So you see it's a collar of wild mesh. It's about 90 centimetres high. If you think about an adult beaver, I mean, they're, they're big animals. We know they're big animals. Uh, on average, the adults are, you know, about 25 kilos. So if you're a beaver and you come up from the river uh, and you see a tree that you might want to have a, a taste of, uh, beavers often stand on their back legs. So this is why the height um, of this is about uh, 90 centimetres, like I say. So when a beaver stands on its back legs, it's, it can't go over the collar. Um, it's pinned into the ground as well so that they don't push underneath um, and again the, the gauge it's, it's you know, a heavy enough gauge that a beaver can't bite through it, they can't dig at it um, so tried and tested this method um, for many many years now and we know this can protect trees very well And when we're protecting trees do we do all trees or how do we kind of decide you know, which trees that, that, that maybe need more protection than other trees? Yeah, it's a good question. And this in itself can be subjective and it can be a personal choice. What we do say is, look, beavers are back. We know that uh, the government uh, wants to see them uh, expanded in the right areas. We know this is now a species that we're going to have to live with. So tree protection is by no means about protecting all the trees uh, for beavers. It's about us thinking about, well, what trees do we value? You know, it can have personal value. It can be sentimental. It can be you know, a crop value, for example. Uh, or if we just look at the aesthetics of a river, if there's some mature trees that we want to keep in the kind of woodland canopy, then, you know, that's we're encouraging people really to be selective so that the beavers will come feed in other food sources, feed in uh, could be other trees as well, but that we're protecting the ones that we really value and want to keep. And is there particular trees that the beavers prefer to, to bite on? Yeah, I mean, uh, there's been lots of tests over the years, but we can see, you know, when we, we look around Scotland now, there's definitely preferences. So things like uh, willow, aspen, uh, ryan, birch, you know, these are all things that beavers are commonly feeding on. And to be honest, you know, these are our native trees that have a long a- evolved history with beavers. So they're quite reactive. So when a beaver does fell it, it's not cl- killing the tree. Uh, often these uh, coppice and regenerate. It's probably some of our uh, non-native species or, you know, higher valued uh, trees that don't recover. So again, when we think about a selective approach, but beavers do like fruit trees. Um, they'll, they'll like uh, basically anything that's available to them it really depends on what's uh, growing along the river's edge in the territory they live in so while they do have clear species they prefer uh, there's some that will always just be feeding on what's around them as well okay and and looking at the fence here obviously our listeners can't see see it but it's um it's quite solid um mm. and you know is there can we use things like chicken wire um is that a definite no-no we would say yes it's a definite no-no um this is uh yeah you say it's fairly substantial it's like gauge well mesh so it's it's freestanding uh this doesn't bend it's not very very flexible uh, nothing compared to chicken mesh or, or rabbit netting for example the thing is uh People do often use uh, those types of material because they've maybe seen it on the internet or it's commercially available and it's a bit cheaper as well. But what I would say is you can spend a lot of time and effort wrapping trees with chicken mesh and if a beaver's determined to go through, it absolutely will. So you are in effect kind of wasting resources. Um, It's because it's so flexible. And again, if we think back, it's a large animal. It's so strong. You know, I can't underestimate or emphasize how strong a beaver is. And their paws are so dexterous. So what they usually do when they come to chicken 
mesh is uh, they just grab it with their front paws and they work it so they can push it up or they can pull it down um, so it really is no barrier and also often with chicken mesh um, people wrap the tree completely right next to the trunk so actually that's really not great for the tree. Absolutely and I'm just looking at there's a there's a you spoke about this the, but it's a really important point is having a gap between the tree and the, the fencing because the beavers can literally put their paws through or their, their, their kind of noses through is that correct? Yeah, I mean, the the spec we use on this is quite fine squares. So you see, hopefully, you know, beaver might get its nose through, but it shouldn't get its whole head through. But a second line of defence is definitely this gap. It's good for the tree, so it can grow. But it also is a, a second line of protection that the beaver isn't tempted to try and go through the, the mesh uh, to reach the trunk. And is there any chance of them climbing up the actual um fence itself uh, we'd like to hope not but uh, you know beavers are you know they do have motivation sometimes to be really determined um, this probably isn't strong enough to take their weight um, as in it might kind of bend backwards but ideally beavers don't really want to be off the ground that way we've seen you know in enclosures for example they may be more determined to escape so that's why we know sometimes they can climb but uh, we've never to date had them climbing on a tree guard that's vertical now if you've got a tree that's quite horizontal um, and still growing you think of how willows kind of tip over and the tree guard was more uh, vertical or sorry the tree guard was more horizontal mm-hmm. then they might be more inclined to climb um, but you just have to think about what tree you're protecting what's the shape of your uh, tree guards and is it going to be effective and is the do the the beavers tend to feed on trees at more towards the latter part of the year or you know what are they what are they generally feeding on um like spring summer these kind of you know times of year yeah so in summer uh, supposedly summer <laughs> we're in july but it's quite cold uh beavers uh really feed a lot on a lot of, you see the bankside vegetation we see all around us so in the spring and summer they eat a lot of the greenery so anything from brambles to iris uh, the grasses the reeds and then they have this diet shift. So at the back end of the year, coming into September, October, that's when you see beavers taking more woody vegetation. And there's a couple of reasons there. They have this natural shift in diet, uh, but as the bankside vegetation dies down, uh, bark, uh, so why they're felling trees in the first place, they want to reach the bark. So they come to rely more on a bark diet at uh, the back end of the year. They also... Uh, typically start to food cache in kind of September, October. And this is when they do uh, select woody material, uh, branches, uh, tree trunk, parts of tree trunks, and they store them outside their lodge. So that's a, that's a cache for the winter period. So it's almost like you see more beaver impacts on woody vegetation at the back end of the year. Or also when they first move into an area, you might see they take down disproportionately more trees uh, that they use in building. Okay. And so when's a good time? Can we put the fencing round trees any time of the year or is there is there a kind of a more an ideal time to do it I mean ideally you could do it any time of the year but mm. we would say if you're going to you know go to the time and effort uh, you really want to have your tree protection in I guess around uh, autumn uh, just so that you know those trees are protected when the beavers are probably more interested in taking down trees and hopefully that um, is a more sensible approach but again the thing about tree react- uh, protection is you can be reactive mm-hmm. so if beavers come into an area and they are feeding intensely so they're very patchy feeders so they might you know come across one stand of trees and feed intensely on that and ignore others but you can choose your tree protection accordingly to what you want to value and keep brilliant that's great thank you so much Roshin, thank for you joining us today. so we're now joined by kevin so kevin do you want to introduce yourself and just tell us what you do please uh, hi there i'm kevin mcculloch i work for nature scott i'm a wildlife management officer uh, based in the central belt great and uh, so we're here learning about some uh, techniques to um, 
help with uh, keeping the beavers off, off the or stop it, kind of biting the trees, I suppose. And you've been telling us about um, a special paint. Do you want to tell us what it's called and just tell us what it's all about, please? Yeah, well, what we're doing here at the moment is I'm just painting this tree with a product that's called uh, Wobra, and it's a paint, uh, it's basically latex paint with silicon dioxide which is really just quartz uh, so sand really so it's just a latex paint with sand uh, and we paint this on because it's a deterrent to basically like sort of other herbivores like deer uh, rabbits and beavers uh, we get this from germany so it's actually uh, imported we don't sell it in this country so it's, it's made over in germany uh, as it's a pesticide we actually have to apply for a license from the health and safety executive to use this. Uh, so we get that on a three year trial purpose. Uh, at the moment, we've just finished the trial and we've extended it another three years uh, and we'll see how it's going. But right now it's going really well. Uh, we've been using this probably in Scotland for I don't know, a, num a number of years. The trees that I've put it on so far I can safely say that the beavers haven't actually came back uh, and nibbled the tree, so to speak. So it does work well. Uh, it's a white paint and when you apply it on, uh, it takes about three hours to dry in. And once it's dry, it will go translucent uh, and it should last for about 12 to 15 years. Uh, that's what the manufacturer's label says on it. So it's quite a thick paint. So when we apply it, we always give it a good stir to mix the sand round. And then we just get a large, usually a box brush, and we just apply it on quite evenly all the way around the tree, up till about 80, 90 centimetres. And we also do the, the buttresses, the roots as well, because the beavers will target that. Uh, and we get right in about it. Uh, as I say, after, after a couple of months I've been back and I've seen trees, and some of them have turned translucent. Uh, other ones are still white. I think it just depends on how thick you're putting the product on. But uh, I like to put it on quite thick anyway, just to basically ensure that the beaver's not going to come and start nibbling on it. The sort of reason that the it works so well is to do with the sand. The beaver doesn't like the texture, so when it's coming along and it's eating the or it goes to nibble it, it basically tastes the sand on its teeth and its mouth, and it just thinks, no, I don't like this. Uh, and I'll move on to the next tree. Great, thanks. And is there specific um, trees that you would pick to use this paint on rather than perhaps putting a kind of fence uh, around the tree? Yeah, well, we pick out the trees based on public interest. So usually it would be large, mature specimen trees of, of any species. It'd be ones that maybe two or three hundred years old that a landowner really wants to protect usually find these trees are so massive that you can't really put the wire around it. Uh, it would just be, you'd just be using so much wire and the paint is a, a lot better option. Uh, in other situations, it's usually trees that are on the edge of the river bank. Uh, so you can't actually get the wire all the way around it. So the paint works well there. And really just sort of massive trees in general, usually the the beach, because the, the uh, beavers like to sort of ring bark those ones without felling them down uh, the beach are usually pretty large with a, a good network of roots so you can't get the wire around that so the the, uh, the paint works really well in that instance 
Great. And what about the um, the trees themselves? I, t- I take it this this paint special paint um, doesn't damage the tree in any way. It kind of does it allow the tree to grow as well. Yeah, aye, it's, it's absolutely fine. Uh, I mean, you can read the label on the product anyway, but I, I can assure you, you've still got uh, the water and the flow and absolutely fine. It's travelling through, the sap can move fine. So the, the tree's absolutely fine. And as I say, they've been using it in Germany and Canada for like 20, 30 years. There's, there's no issues. And we've been using it over here for a number of years and there's been no problems so far. Brilliant. That's great. Thank you so much for joining us and tell us all about that, um, Kevin. That's great. Thank you. So we're joined today by Stuart, one of the volunteers. Um, Thanks for joining us. Stuart, can you just introduce yourself and and tell us why you are here today? Hi, I'm Stuart. I'm from the Dunkeld and Burnham Paths and Nature Group. It's a local volunteer action group. Um, And we are contemplating a a project to look at managing the change of woodland along the River Tay through Dunkeld and Burnham. There are beavers in that area almost all the time now. Uh, and they, ha- they are having an impact on the, the riverside trees. It's a very high amenity area. Uh, there are very popular footpaths along the banks of the river, uh, which means there's an issue about um, people seeing and understanding the change, uh, and small bit element of, uh, I suppose, per- uh, risk to of bits of trees, dead trees falling on onto the path. We are thinking that. Um, the change is inevitable. The, the composition of the woodland is going to change. The beavers are selecting out the beech trees and then they're taking the sycamore. They're not really touching the oaks at the moment and the burnham oak appears to be safe. Um, but there's a possibility that the we could improve the biodiversity of the area as well as maintaining it as a woodland corridor if we can just help, help protect some of the selected mature trees and maybe some of the regrowth of um, of the of the uh, native species which are quite heavily taken by beavers. And so today we've seen uh, a couple of demonstrations, uh, one with the, the, the kind of um, the fencing that kind of goes around the trees and also the the, the special um, paint that goes on on the trees to, to protect them. Had you heard of these methods before? Or did you know did you know about these uh, kind of things? Uh, well, I had yes. Um, I've, there's a few places around here where people have already tried uh, netting trees to try and keep the beavers off them. There's got a few ra- examples around a golf course up the river a bit, uh, and one of the owners, landowners near here, has, has tried it with chicken mesh, um, which we're hearing this morning is not really up to the job. What have you kind of? Uh, well, are you first of all, are you new to nature volunteering? Is this is this something new for you? Um, and and what have you what have you got out of today? Um, I've been involved with nature and nature conservation for uh, a good many years. Uh, I am doing more volunteering now um, in the last year or two, especially in this area. Um, I'm hoping that uh, today we've got a better understanding of how we could use the the methods, primarily the netting and some of the issues um, that are involved, so we can take it back to our other volunteers and see if we can work up a project um, and better understand how to use it and where and how often to use it along the riverside. Great, and um, you know today is during the day, so we've not really seen um, any beavers as such. We've seen beaver activity, obviously, on on the trees. Um, but but have you have you actually ever seen uh, a, a beaver when you've been out and about? I have, yes. Um, watched them up at the Loch of the Lows SWT reserve just near Dunkeld. Um, it was a while back, 
Um, but as you say, there are signs of beavers along most of the, the Tay and up the Bran, uh, for at least some distance up the Bran. Thank you. Thanks so much, Stuart, and all the best with the, the volunteering work. And I hope some of the methods you've learned about today will, will help. Thank you very much. Thanks, Kirsten. Tree protection is obviously what we've been focusing on today, but there's lots of other ways to manage and mitigate beaver impacts. And I'm here with Anne-Marie McMaster, who's another one of our beaver team at Nature Scott. And Anne-Marie, what other options are there? So how would somebody, for example, who was having problems go about getting the help and support that they might need? The Nature Scott Mitigation Scheme provides advice to anybody um, who's negatively impacted by beavers. Um, you know, Nature Scott are really looking to support the transition of beavers returning to Scotland after such a long time um, by providing a scheme that aims to promote a better understanding of living with beavers. Um, we want to be able to provide advice and develop guidance um, on mitigation approaches to demonstrate techniques, build skills and knowledge, and also to be able to deliver alternatives to licensed intervention um, and trial innovative uh, solutions. I would advise those looking for advice to have a look at our website in the first instance because we've got quite a lot of information on there and if you know they still need further advice to just email beavers at nature.scot. Resource is available under the scheme however this is really just where there's a public interest um, rather than a private one. So going forward um, we expect to see beavers spread across Scotland so it's really important that, you know, we learn to live alongside the beaver again. Great. Well, thanks so much for having us along today. It's been a really fascinating insight into all the work that the beaver team are doing here on the ground. And just a reminder for anyone who's experiencing problems with beavers to contact the team on beavers at nature.scot for specialist advice and guidance. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying Make Space for Nature, please follow it on your podcast app and leave a review or rating. We'd also love you to tell more people about the series. For more ways to connect with and help protect Scotland's natural world, go to nature.scot.